You are listening to the REI Mastermind Podcast. Join JD as he chats with industry-leading real estate experts and professionals. We learn from their experience and uncover the strategies to their success that we can implement into our own businesses and we can drive immediate results today. They share their experience and wisdom as we build the foundation to our own success. This is the REI Mastermind Network. We have A. Donahue Baker on the call, and uh, you, you got to keep that A in front of uh, his name because that's how you're going to find him on his sh- social media accounts. So um, I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes. But I think you can find most of your content, and I, I, know, I think there's quite a bit of resources by going to his website, uh, bankmoneyav.com or moneyav.com. Is that right? That's it. That's it. Bankmoneyapp.com is our uh, banking platform, and it's going to roll out all the great services and products that we have uh, for people. And then our regular website, which has been up for a number of years, is moneyapp.com, which has a tremendous amount of resources, um, uh, access to capital, and a whole bunch of other things as well. We'll talk about <laughs> So, yeah. So, you know, you mentioned right off the bat there that I mean, we're talking about a wealth building platform, right? That you're you're building out to help people uh, develop that generational wealth. That's the key. That's the key. Great. Well, what made? Let's go down that road first. You know, a lot of what we're going to be talking about today, whether it's money management, CPA, you know. I typically have found that this career that you've chosen is usually accidental. How do you? How did you manage to find your way to this? It definitely is accidental. I actually started in the music industry of all places. I'm um, actually a Grammy-nominated music producer, right? And um, I started in the music industry. I had a, a label deal on Sony Music, uh, one of the biggest labels in the world, and I got dropped. And I was forced to reinvent myself and no other uh, thing, no other way to do it better than real estate. And I stumbled on real estate, started to develop this passive stream of income. And that led to uh, just owning a portfolio of over 500 units. And that's where I am today. And that passive stream of income, every single transaction, every single deal, there was a, a bank in place that allowed me to leverage their funds through financing and build my wealth. And and that's why I said, you know what, I need to get on that side of the game. And that's kind of how I stumbled into what I'm doing today. Sure. So you, 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 let's, let's dive into that a little bit. You mentioned you have 500 units today. Where did you get started? Did you start with single family properties or how did, how did it begin? My very first unit was a duplex. I lived in one side and rented out the other. And the rent from that side that I rented out pretty much covered the mortgage completely. I mean, I paid about $200 a month, but this was in Atlanta. And I also had a great six-figure job. So I was literally living rent-free those years. And and, and it forced me to realize that if I can replicate this, I can pretty much double my income, my, my the income that I work for, right? And that's why I started on accumulating these units. And, and I set a goal for myself. The goal was 
I needed to double the number of units I owned every single year. So that first year I had a duplex, lived in one side and rented out the other. And then the next year I bought a fourplex, right? And and uh, I didn't live in the fourplex, but that provided so much residual income that I really began to accelerate my savings and, and accelerated the process of investing in more properties. Sure. You know, that that's always such a great way to start out, especially with the duplex and for, you know, depending on the state. I mean, some people can even take advantage of that first time home buyer. Uh, if you live in a unit up to four units, yeah. at least in, in my a, state. Yeah. Yeah. What state, what state are you in, uh, Jack? Minnesota. Oh, you're in Minnesota. Okay. Well, I'm in uh, New Jersey, but at the time I did it in uh, in Georgia. So uh, I used FHA. My very first property was the FHA. The only prerequisite of that is that you have to live in the property. So you have to be an owner occupant. So, but I think, you know, today they call it house hacking. I think it's one of the best ways that people can jump into real estate. And statistics have shown this, that if you make your very first purchase, instead of getting the dream home, if you make your very first purchase a multifamily where you live in one side and rent out the other, you know, statistics have shown that you're more likely to become a millionaire or have a net worth of over a million dollars. So I love that strategy for people that are looking to, you know, start in real estate, particularly young people, right? People like in their early 20s that are just starting out in careers when your expenses are low, that's the time you really want to do it because, you know, you, your expenses are super low. So imagine living rent free and all the, the money that you get when you're earning that you go to work for the W2 money that goes strictly to investments. And, and it, you know, cause this days the, the, like my parents, my dad, he worked for Merck pharmaceutical, uh, pharmaceutical company for 30 years. Right. Uh, that is unheard of. Like I, even when, even when I was growing up, I was like, how, how, when he retired, I was like, how does, you know, you can't work for one company for 30 years in this day and age. That's such a rarity. It's an anomaly. Mm -hmm. So we have to constantly be thinking of ways in which we can supplement our income. And, you know, I'm also a professor at Morehouse college in Atlanta. And I talk a lot to young people, 20 year olds, 21 year olds, and, uh, they're a different breed. They don't want to, have a career and work for one person for 30 years and then retire. You know, they, mm -hmm. they don't want to do that. Right. They want to, they want it now. They want to impact. They want to, um, they want to be entrepreneur entrepreneurs of some sort. So I just think that, uh, you know, it's a different mindset and uh, real estate is, is an awesome way to uh, start that journey. Well, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of times, like early on here now regarding how to leverage the banks to, to help make you wealthy. How did you start establishing those banking relationships? We have a lot of newer real estate investors listening to this program, and that always seems to be a mind block or a hurdle for them. Well, the way that I did it, number one, was rely on my W-2 income. Like I said, I actually had a job. And I just bought a multifamily, lived in it one side and rented out the other. While if you're out there, if you're a young person and you have W-2 income, you have a job, you're at the, especially if you're making a really great salary. I was just, as a CPA, I was making six figures and I was just blessed to be in a city that uh, 
you know, paid, paid really well for my, my talents. Right. So I leveraged my W2 income to basically loans. And the, the trade-off was that I would purchase properties. Like I said, I bought the four unit, uh, the year after the four unit, I bought a six unit. Um, I would just get these loans. And because every single year I made more money from rental income than the last, it was easier to get the loans. However, I hit a snag about maybe my sixth or seventh mortgage. No matter how good my credit was, no matter how good the underlying asset was, banks did not want to continue to lend me money. So Mm -hmm. I had to think of alternative ways, creative ways to get money to build my rental portfolio. And that's when I came across business credit, setting up completely separate legal entities and then leveraging those legal entities to get more and more credit, right? More and more opportunities to leverage. And that's what uh, what our bank does. We help so many people do just that. In fact, for every LLC that you have, we give you at least $50,000 of business credit that is not attached to your personal credit profile. So that allows you to at least get 50000 to prove the concept of a business or maybe get your first um, rental property under your business. There's many of uh, different options and alternatives that that gives you, but it's really understanding the power of the LLC. And a, a lot of people overlook that. A lot of people know how to you know, go, go to LegalZoom, set up an LLC, or maybe go to the Secretary of State and set up an LLC. But the vast majority of entrepreneurs, they don't leverage their business credit. What they do is they leverage their personal credit and because 90% of, of businesses fail uh, over the ne- over the course of five years, you know what you have is a lot of stress on people's personal credit. And they put their families in jeopardy, their homes in jeopardy, their vehicles, their personal assets, all of it comes into jeopardy. And that's what we try to avoid. We try to tell people, look, there's a safer way to do it. And you know, whether you agree with his politics or not, you know, one of one of the uh, people that have that have really um, showed, a, showed an example of that is Donald Trump, right? Donald Trump has over 500 LLCs. And the question is, why does one man need over 500 LLCs? Well, it's really about leverage, right? He's found this vehicle with his attorneys and, and, and his legal staff, how to leverage under those LLCs. Now, we know in 1991, he filed for bankruptcies. Actually, we know four other times he's filed for bankruptcies. But when he filed for bankruptcy in 1991. The very same week he um, filed for bankruptcy, he opened up four brand new LLCs. So, and those LLCs went on to get leverage for millions and millions of dollars. So, that all of that being said, you know, there's a system, there's a language of money that we need to understand how to tap into, so that we could have the capital we need to make the investments we need to acquire wealth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. So that you know, you you bring up Donald Trump, but I mean, they've also found that system to establish that generational wealth that we we were talking about earlier. Yes. Uh, so I know that Absolutely. you have. Uh, I think you call it six levels of building generational wealth. Can you talk a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So one of the things is uh, at our fintech bank, Money Avenue. We basically 
came up with six levels that we would like to bring people through so that they can ultimately build generational wealth. And even before we get to the six levels, it's really looking at where we are as, as the vast majority of Americans. The vast majority of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck and we're in debt. And at Money Avenue, what we do is we call that the seller dwellers, right? The seller dwellers is mainly because they're, they're, they're the ones that are really supporting the economy. They're living paycheck to paycheck. Those are the workers. It's nothing wrong with that, but we need to be able to understand the language of money and what you need to do to position yourself to, 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 to leverage debt, right? That's the mm-hmm. key. Whatever wealth that you're looking to build, there's going to be some component of wealth. Now, there's schools of thought. Um, people like Dave Ramsey that believe in uh, you should have no debt. Uh, it's very possible to acquire and build wealth with no debt, but it's slower, right? So mm-hmm. understand, and the caveat is we use debt to accelerate. And when we use debt, we use debt safely. And that's the key. So I'll jump right in and tell you the six levels, right? The seller dweller position is really getting out of debt. Stop living paycheck to paycheck. In order to do that at the seller dweller level, you need to focus on what we call level one. At the level one level, it's called being a thousand air. And the reason why we say use the term a thousand air, the threshold is just making a hundred thousand dollars annually. You can do that on a W-2. You can actually, we have programs we are affiliated with a, a startup that they will they will actually pay you not well three months training they will pay you give you a job making at least a hundred thousand dollars a year if you're accepted into this program. We're also affiliated with another company that will hire you. Uh, or they're all training, but they'll give you a, a salary if you're willing to to work and do certain things. It's called um, Professional Logistics is, is our sister company. I'm actually on the board of that company as well. But they give you a CDL, a, a truck driver's license. And, you know, they'll they'll guarantee you a job or, you know, an opportunity to make money. And you do that as a side hustle. Right. So level one is really just getting to a level where you're not living paycheck to paycheck. You're not saddled in debt. That's so important. That's really what we we try to do. And <clears throat> when you come into Money Gap, we give you a whole bunch of financial literacy and financial education to help you get to that thousand air level, right? Which is key. So once you get to level one, become a thousand air, the next level is level two. The, the focus of level two is living the rent-free lifestyle. We spoke earlier about, you know, how I did it, living, buying the duplex. The whole thing is if you could live the rent-free lifestyle, meaning that um, Americans, their, their number one expense is either mortgage or rent. If you can put yourself in a position where you're living rent-free, meaning you have a tenant that pays your your mortgage and pays your rent, you're living the rent-free lifestyle. Chances are you're 70% more likely to become a millionaire and possibly even higher. So that's really the focus of level two. Level three is where the fun really begins and where we really start to build wealth after you know you you have this base this base level of income it's bringing your personal credit score to 720 locking it and once you lock it what we we'll, what we'll ask you to do is set up LLCs and live exclusively through your LLCs and if you do that that's the point where you know we're able to get you at least $50,000 of business credit that is not attached to your personal credit so you can fund your business so that you can prove the concept of your business. The whole idea is to create more entrepreneurs, 
create more real estate developers, create more creatives, people that are in control and, and have a passion to work their business, right? You need at least 50,000, just about every business out there. You need at least some seed money. This is a perfect way to get it. Level four uh, is, is, I mean, it sounds crass a little bit, but it's to literally go out and, and get a million dollars in debt, right? And most people, when, when I say that, they think consumer debt, vacation, cars, that's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is we want to show you how to leverage. So you get a million, you go out in there and get a million dollars in good debt. You get mortgages, you get, you know, you get investment in, in a business that, that will pay you to have that debt. Prime example is I purchased apartment buildings. I purchased the last apartment building that I purchased, I purchased for $5.6 million. There's one over 100 tenants in that apartment building that every month I make at least fifty dollars to $60,000 just on that initial investment. In addition to that, it's a trade-off. So the more debt, like the more acquisitions I make, the more my income goes up. So that's what I say when I say go out and get a million dollars in debt. That should be a focus at level four. At level five, the, the, the millions of debt that you created or the debt that you created turns into equity, right? And that's the, the process that, that we bring through. At that level, you should technically become a millionaire on paper because that's the objective, right? It is to get to a certain point where you you know you you, you definitely if you're looking to have generational wealth you have to have at least a net worth of a million dollars and the wealth that you created in levels five through one at level six our final level gets passed on so the whole idea at level six is we give you the tools to pass on wealth you can't talk about generational wealth without talking about life insurance we offer that we have a life insurance product in addition to that, we'll help you set up trust. We'll help you set up other, uh, maybe a blind trust, irrevocable trust, family trust, number of other things that will help you pass wealth on. I'll tell you an example of what I did for my son, who is, he's four years old right now, but when he was two, what we did was I purchased, through a trust, I purchased a six-unit apartment building in North New Jersey for him, and that building is going to do two things for him. That building is going to, number one, pay for his college education, uh, you know, 15, 20 years down the road from now. Uh, when if he chooses to go to college, he doesn't want to go to college. It's something there for him. Number two, it's going to put him in a position where when he turns 18, he's going to have some income coming in every single month. As long as we can maintain that property and, and have quality tenants in there. Right. Mm -hmm. So. To me, that's the definition of generational wealth. It's what could you do? What sacrifices could you do today that you can pass on to the next generation? So that's a big part of, of what we do. That's the six levels. And, uh, and I hope, <laughs> hope it provided some value to someone. Yeah, no, I think it, that was a very important process because I think a lot of people, they have all these aspirational thoughts, but in order to achieve that level or that goal, you need to take a minute and and plan it out like you just laid it out. So I hope people were taking notes because I think that was uh, that was uh, wealth building one hundred and one that you just laid down there. You broke it into to these these digestible steps that I think people actually have to think about and actually have to plan. I, I I've said more than once, you know, it's if it's in your head, you're thinking about it. That's a definition of a dream. 
when you put it down on paper and write it out and plan it out like you you just did, that's that's when it becomes a target. And you want those target actionable steps in order to achieve what you're just talking about. Absolutely. A hundred percent. You know, and, and then the other thing too is having uh people that help you reinforce that, right? Help you reinforce your plan and your target as you as you go up to different levels. There's networks that, uh, that that that'll help you get there, right? Because we all need we we all need this. My dad used to say this all the time: No man is an island. Whatever you want to do, whatever your goals, whatever your dreams are, you're going to need another human, another person to uh, either do business with you, or either to help you build, or to work for you, or whatever it is. We all need people, and that's also another aspect of what. Um, what we're trying to do is really build a community, a home for entrepreneurs, creatives, people that really are interested in building generational wealth. No, you're just alluding to something else that's really important. Uh, you know, we were talking about leveraging banks, but uh, it's almost as important to build out that network and, and leverage other people's talents. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's hard like build like we're in that right now like we're trying to build but it's hard finding it's hard finding talented people to be honest with you it's particularly as a startup now we know about what's going on in silicon valley right now the whole thing is that you know the salaries have gotten well above anywhere else in the country mainly mm-hmm. because there's there's a lack of talent and it's just supply and demand so um that's one of the reasons why we didn't go to silicon valley and open you know, our startup, we we did it based right outside of New York, where we hopefully we have a great talent pool. We have a great team right now. But as we grow and we scale, um, it's hard to find new talent. So uh, we're always on the lookout for that. But our company has been growing leaps and bounds. We're actually the ninth fastest growing uh, fintech uh, by Inc. Magazine. We've, we've uh, been uh, nominated for that last year. Hopefully uh, we make the list again this year. Sure. So, you know, uh, l- let's talk a little bit about, you know, you're, you're talking about this platform and helping people secure the this unsecured credit. Um, I'm guessing that they're primarily credit cards. Would, I, would be that be fair to say? Uh, yes, credit cards are a big part of the process. But as a bank, we also do loans, right? So that would be real estate loans or business lines of credit where you can use those business lines of credit to grow every single year. Once you've proven the concept of your business, you have two years tax returns, you're making revenue, we help you to increase those lines of credit to, to, to become bigger. So yes, it does start with credit cards, but it's just not only credit cards, right? And right. that's that's really key because a lot of people, they just think it's all credit cards. And that's not the case. Well, no, I, w- I wasn't trying to paint it as a, as a negative. Where, where people, what I was trying to get at is that you start at credit cards because it's a very efficient way to build your business credit. Yes, definitely. Definitely. It's the bill. It's the building block, right? So right now I have a $3 million line of credit through my business that started with credit cards. Like literally it started with just getting a $10,000 credit card and I use that and, and, and it grew from there, right? So uh, there's a process. It's, the next step beyond all that is going into uh, banks and getting a, a, a line of credit based on what your business 
can do. And as your revenue gets more and more, the business lines of credit get more and more. Sure. You know, I'm going to change the subject on you a little bit because you got me curious because I know you teach classes in entrepreneurship. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to change the focus yes. on entrepreneurship just a little bit in the time we have remaining. But I wanted to make sure everybody has your contact information again. Head over to moneyav.com. I'll make sure to have those links in the show notes. Um, and then uh, you're probably, if, if you're like me, it seems like a lot of my time on social media is being spent on LinkedIn. Uh, but uh, I don't know, uh, where, do, where would they find you on, on socials? I'm I'm on all platforms, Jack. People can find me on uh, Instagram. Um, uh, I actually have a YouTube channel too that's always kind of giving advice, right? So one of my best videos is how to become a real estate developer, right? And that's that's one of the videos that went viral. But I have a YouTube channel. Um, I also, but I'm I'm on all platforms: LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Um, Twitter, whatever you, wherever you're, if you're on social media, I'm there. I don't, I, I do have a TikTok account, but I haven't done a lot of TikTok videos <laughs> yeah. yet. But, um, so. but A. Donahue Baker is how you can find me personally. I do answer my DMs. I'm probably on Instagram a little bit more because that's where um, my, a uh, lot of like, not like I teach a lot of young people and that's where they go to, to Instagram. So I'm, I'm on Instagram a lot, answering DMs and responding, answering questions. And I, I post every so often, but the bottom line is I try to share as much value and information as possible. Sure. No, I, I, I share your, uh, your thoughts on, on TikTok. I, I'm not, I, I don't completely grasp what's going on there, <laughs> but um, it's funny though. It's, it's really funny because it's like, it's some great funny videos on TikTok. Yeah. Well, that's probably what, what I'm afraid of the most. If I, if I got sucked into something like that, you can blow an, an hour or two when I could be doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly but that's social media as a, as, as a whole as, as general so right. it's across the board so you know so you you teach classes to young people uh around entrepreneurship and i think you you come with a, a unique perspective yes. regarding uh real estate investing mm-hmm. and entrepreneurship and what i've definitely have found is that it's almost like an 80 20 rule the people that I run into, they almost treat real estate investing as a hobby versus an actual business and actually seeing it as a pathway to entrepreneurship. What would you, what are you seeing in regards to that? And, and how can people better suit themselves to ensure that they're, they're treating it as, as an actual business? Yeah, I think that's a great question because I, I think I fall into that that category. You know, I I real estate is a business. Make no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's a business that could be a hobby, but if you really are looking to build wealth, it's something that you really should be uh, taking some significant portion of your time building, right? So the the thing is, in the when you own really fifty units is the benchmark when. You own 50 units, you need other people, 
So that is the point in time where, you know, as a hobby, you may be able to self-manage and, and control your own properties. But when you get to about 50 units, it becomes time to hire a property manager, bringing other people that really do the day-to-day tasks. And when that happens, what it does is free up your time. So now, um, you know, over the years, real estate is boring to me because uh, it's, I don't really do anything. I have a property manager that handles everything. Um, you know, if I'm not looking for it to do another acquisition, it's, it's kind of like, what do I do next? So if you have this entrepreneurial spirit in you, um, you're going you're gonna to go to where something else is going to spark your interest. And that's kind of how I, I look at um, the, the company that we built. Like I built up a, a significant real estate portfolio. And in order to help more people, I needed to have access to capital on another level. So why not start a fintech bank? Right? And, and that's basically how it, uh, how it unfolded. But I, I definitely agree with the analogy that, um, you know, it, it, it's, a, it's a hobby for some. People don't really view it as a business, but it's a, you have to run it like a business. And if you don't run it like a business, what happens is you lose it, right? Those, the people that, one of the biggest deals that I, that I purchased, um, you know, a $5 million uh, apartment complex, um, today's worth over $12 million doubled in value. The reason why I was able, and it was in less than three years that we were able to do forced appreciation and capture uh, over $5 million in, in equity is because the previous owners um, ran this business. It was a mom and pop operation like a hobby. This was uh, in early 2000s, they didn't have a computer system. They didn't have an accounting system. They did their bookkeeping, uh, giving handwritten receipts. Um, you know, that's not how you run a business in the 21st century. You know, you have to leverage technology as well as people, right? You have to have good talent on your, your staff, make sure that your trades, your plumbers, electrical, things are always going to be wrong, but something's always going to get broken real estate. And you have to have quality people uh, that can provide this service and reasonable. So that being business, that's you, you have to know about business. And if you can be successful at that, you can be successful at other things, whether it's franchising, whether it's, matter of fact, I used to work at a family office and I've seen people accumulate high, high networks because they understand business. And they're, you know, they always some type of estate things, right? And and that's really um, something I try to tell the students that it's like, you know, real estate is a great, has a low barrier to entry, meaning that uh, you could get in, anybody can buy a house, right? You could have uh, blemishes on your credit, but if you have the money, you can buy a house. If you have the money and you have poor credit, you can find a partner if you have a great deal. It's so many different ways to, to get in. So, you know, the barrier entry being so low, anyone can do real estate. Might not be the same way for another type of business, a startup or something where you have to have some specialized knowledge, you know. But real estate, it's very, uh, it's, it's like you're providing a service. Somebody's paying you to provide that service and you have to develop a profit in there. So you have to buy at the right price, the right location, and, and making sure you have the right team around you to maintain the asset. Okay. Well, 
you know, we're, we're well over the, the 30 minute mark. And before I let you go though, um, uh, I, I wanted, I wanted to cover two more things. So this, this could end okay. up being an extended episode. So <laughs> first of all, I like to give everybody one actionable item. And since you have a lot of experience and, and, and teach regarding entrepreneurship, I was hoping you could give us one actionable item our listeners could take away today and implement today to make a, a difference in their business um, or their real estate investing. And, and I thought maybe something around that entrepreneurship would be a, a great action point. Sure. So um, one of the things that uh, an action item that your listeners could take is understand that you know, it's very important in order to build wealth that you have to have a definite, a specific target, more like a smart goal, right? The number that I, I love to tell people that they should have is $1.4 million, million net worth is because most people um, view themselves to, they view a million dollars as this number that if I can get to a million dollars, I'm, I'm, I'm good. That's not the case. A million dollars today will not be worth a million dollars tomorrow. And you'll start to see, we know what's happening. There's over what, 16.5 billion, um, 16.5 million millionaires in the world. And every there's a billionaire that's being created every 48 hours, right? So we know that there's this tremendous amount of wealth that's being created. The takeaway is understand what your plan is going to be. How are you going to get to that 1.4 million, right? It's very easy to me. It's, the road is easy to do it through real estate. And you can do it the fast way or you can do it the slow way. But most people have most of their net worth in their homes. So either you got to figure out a way how you can own multiple homes. And, it, and the way that you know inflation is going today, real estate is the incredible hedge, right? So you can come up with a plan where you can own two or three homes and you can get that 1.4 million. Uh, you know, it's just it's really all about planning and sacrifice, right? Using the multi-family approach and then the home that you live in, using the FHA approach get in for 3.5% down. That, that's really the takeaway. Secure that and then you know, scale to 1.4 and then do what you love, right? Once you have at least two or three properties and you can say, you know what, when those are paid off, I'm going to be uh, have that net worth. Find something that you're passionate about and, and start a business around that, right? Start something that uh, allows you to create generational wealth. It could be podcasts, could be a blog, could be you know something that you really really enjoy, and then leverage that into what you're doing, and and just you know create another stream of income. You know that that that's my take takeaway. You know I, I'm glad you said that. One of the that that's something that uh, you that actually just struck me just just now. You know we hear this, we almost get this romantic uh, messaging when it comes to picking a career and us finding our purpose and, and, uh, doing that to, you know, uh, finding your joy in your work and the money will come. But what you're, if I'm hearing you right, you might be even suggesting get the money in line first and then follow those pursuits after the fact. And real estate would be a great way to do that. Absolutely. And, and I'm glad you mentioned that because the reason why most people don't pursue their dreams is fair. And they, they, they're not willing to roll the dice sometimes. 
So the route, the route that I'm telling you to do is secure, you know, secure your day to day first. Right. And then once you know that you have your future secured, you know, you, you, be, you will you will be more apt to take risk. And risk is in, is factored into every equation. You have to be able to invest, and sometimes you have to be able to roll the dice. And one of one of the things, and is um, thinking when you're thinking about investing, thinking about what inflation, the effects of inflation, or the effects of the the value of the dollar over time. When you hold things like real estate, it's no to me the best way to hedge against inflation is on some asset that you see every single day. Your rents go up every single year. The value of the property go up every single year. So there's a number of different things. I like other hedges, gold, uh, crypto. You know, I'm I'm involved in a little bit of those, but they're a small percentage and portion of my portfolio. Sure. Well, uh, my last question is: What question do you wish I would have asked you here today? That's a good one. You know, I, I think, Jack, first of all, it's a great interview. Um, I think your platform is awesome. And 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 I see what you're doing. I'm, I would have loved to have a conversation about the musical instruments that I see in the background because I'm a Grammy-nominated producer. I love music. And I would love to do a, a deeper dive into, you know, how, how long have you been playing and maybe talk a little bit about music, but I know we only got so much time. So that's the one yeah. question. Yeah, we, we could definitely chat about that. I, I could talk your ear off uh, regarding, regarding some of that stuff, but, uh, and, and that, that would lead me down the rabbit hole asking you a, a ton of questions about the, the music industry too, because one of our mentors, uh, one of my mentors, uh, he was actually in the music industry as well. And he got into real estate investing. So, um, it that there that's it's always such a fascinating story. Um, I joke a little bit because it seems like eighty percent of the people I know in real estate investing, um, and there might be a Venn diagram. They 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 play music or they're involved in music in some way. They're they're in the healthcare industry or the IT industry. Um, it, it seems like there's a there's just a mass of people that have these similar uh, attributes, but I, I can't thank you enough, uh, Mr. Donahue Baker. Uh, this was fantastic. I'm going to make sure to link to your websites. Uh, look for a Donahue Baker on all the socials um, and uh, definitely check out the YouTube channel. I'll make sure to link to that as well. Uh, you have an open invitation if you ever want to come back and talk music or the music industry. That would be, uh, I, I, I'm always fascinated how people's careers pivot the ways your, yours obviously has. Yeah, I would, I would love to, Jack. Anytime uh, you're ready, I would love to talk about that and some of my experiences as well. Lots of, uh, lots of uh, names that, I, that I'm sure you will recognize um, and, and the interaction that I had with them. So whenever you're ready, we're ready. Whenever you're ready, we'll jump into that next show. <laughs> okay. Sounds great. Well, thank you, sir. This has been the REI Mastermind Network. You can already tell that we've made some changes and a few more are on the way. If you are interested in what we have planned, head over to patreon.com slash REI Mastermind and support the show today. Financial contributions are always appreciated. 
along with a like, share, and review. It really helps us grow and reach more people with this valuable information. See you next time, and tell a friend.